Legions, hello and welcome once again to a very, very special edition of the What You've Been Watching podcast. I am your host, the ever-diligent, marvelous Mike Dudley, followed as always by my co-host, cohort, and youngest brother, MD3 Marcus Dudley, checking in on the YOU. What's going on out there in podcast land? We are broadcasting live from the Whatcha Been Watching studio somewhere in the south part of Tallahassee. I believe. Sure. Uh, where the black bears roam. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a country song. Yeah, it's actually not a bad idea for a country song there, my <laughs> friend. Uh, we want to give a big shout out to our intro music, Kesta. Always bright. Always. Always the banger. Always bright. Uh, shout out to the lovely MK Dudley Art. That for wonderful, the- beautiful, bright banner. And for our good friend, uh, Mr. A1 for the beats, you can find him at a1reality.music. Excuse me. That is... A1reality.music at gmail.com. Hit them up for any of your custom beats, anything like that that you need. And my man will get get back to you ASAP. He's a master of his craft. Um, Where else can they find us, my brother? They can find us on facebook.com forward slash Dudley Bros Podcast. Or they can write into us at the What You've Been Watching Podcast at gmail.com. Or other than that, you know, I'm out here selling my man bits, trying to make those dollars. I got bills to pay. I was one of those guys. That, they went away largely, but I'm bringing it back. One of those people that used to just sit there with a the truck at busy intersections and sell flags <laughs> of various things. It'd be like a Bob Marley with weed in the background flags. That was me last weekend. Right. So we're out here. You can find us. <laughs> so write us in, find us. We're out and about doing random activities. You know, it's like a fucking what you been watching? Where's Waldo fest? So, how are you, my brother? I know you're a little bit under the weather, and I appreciate you uh, taking the of time course, to do this course. with me as yeah, always. Man. Yeah, man. People need us, brother. So Yeah, it seems like I'm always sick every time we do this. I don't know. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Stoops. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, just grinding, man. It's just, it's you know how it is. It's holidays are over, and now it's back to back to reality and trying to keep your head above water and... All that good mess. I never asked you about your Christmas haul. Did you get a good Christmas haul? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I made out like a friggin' bandit. That's good. That's good. You know, it's time for receiving and giving back minimally. It's, uh, they should really pivot that towards the spirit of Christmas. That's right. So. Just giving me stuff. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, like, what do you really need? Because I know what I need, and it's money. It's cold, right. hard cash. That's We're it. broke All out the here. Time. Uh, cottage cheese for dinner. <laughs> So, uh, anything else we got going on, or that you need to tell the people, or no, man, that's about it. How about you, man? Just like you said, just wrapping up the holiday season. A bunch of movies that we're gonna talk about today uh, didn't quite make the cut on the previous ones, but you'll, you'll see a certain <laughs> theme with some of mine. I won't spend too much time on it, but um, other than that, man, just trying to get back to it, man. Trying to set these dedications for uh, the new year. You got any New Year's resolutions or anything? Or no, because. Quite frankly, Keep I'm perfect. Keep the bar low. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because I'm perfect anyway, so why, oh, right. why fucks with it, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. No, um, I never really set a uh, New Year's resolution just because I don't want to disappoint myself when inevitably I fail. <laughs> uh, just keep. I just keep mine broad. I just try to be a better person in some way. I don't yeah. want to be like, I want to lose 15 pounds, and I, none of that shit. I'm just like, hey, like last year, I was like, I need to start taking better care of myself, and yeah, in some ways like I did, in some ways I didn't. Like I, I largely eliminated eating red meat. You know, it's not like I won't ever eat it. I'm not like a stickler about it, but I just try to avoid it as best I can. You know, try to do little things here and there. So in some ways, I'm a success. But in terms of the mental health, it's probably worse. 
So yeah, it balances out. So yeah, yeah. Just curious. I don't know if you had a new, brand new. No, I mean, like you said, I just try to keep my broad. Like I'd like to do a little bit more traveling. I'd like to save a little money, but I mean, that's every year. You know. Yeah, so. yeah. I feel you. So well, nobody gives up wrong about our uh, <laughs> our, de- our resolutions so the reason why everyone tuned in especially this particular episode um for those of you who've uh paying attention to your calendars and our release schedule this actually marks us going into our third year of doing it we Hells have com- yeah, completed two complete years of recording the what you've been watching podcast and this is starting going into year three um you've already probably picked up on some of the stuff We've got some microphones that are going to be changing, so I appreciate y'all's patience in dealing with us on that. We love recording them the way they are, not because we don't care about y'all's quality, right. but when we do mess up, it kind of shows the humble beginnings of it all. Um, obviously, you go back and listen to the first episode, uh, you can still hear our fish tank running in the background. Right. We didn't know how to change the mic setting, so it's actually all recorded through Michael's microphone on his laptop. That's <laughs> right. why I sound like I'm a million miles away. Mm-hmm. Um and so, but that was that was sort of what we wanted in the grand design from the beginning was you know we wanted to take our audience on a journey as far as like us sort of learning the game and and you know getting better at the craft and, and developing our skills and you know like we you know we we wanted to show how it all started in order to get where we wanted to go. Yeah, yeah, and I know we were really reluctant at first of like we recorded and we're like all right that's good practice and then this and that and the third and then. I, not trying to call you out, but you were a little bit more like, I don't know, we can't put it out. It just kind of sounds like shit. And I was like, nah, man, just pull the trigger on it. Let's go. Like, people right. want to, people, let's, what do we have to lose? You know, like, what, oh, that was terrible. Well, good. And that means we have a lot of room for improvement right. kind of situation. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I appreciate y'all. Anybody who listens, if it's five minutes a day, anyone who's ever shared, anyone who's ever commented on the Facebook page, anything like that, anyone yeah. who's actually written in emails, uh, thank you, Ashley. Uh, we'll be responding to yours here in the upcoming mailbag. Promise you on that. Um, <laughs> So anybody who's written in, anybody I get texts from people, uh, some of my coworkers have listened in and give me feedback. Yeah. Of, if you've so. ever bought a T-shirt, if you've ever yeah. you know handed out one of our business cards, if you've ever told a friend, if you've ever liked, subscribed, you know, written a comment, anything, thank you, thank you, thank you from yeah. the bottom of both of our hearts, man. Like we really, really do appreciate it. We we love our legions, and it's apparent that our legions love us. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna try to get a little more interactive. Uh, it's just it's a very small operation, and as you very well know, life likes a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's literally it, a two man operation. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and one of us pulls the weight a lot more than the other in terms of certain aspects of it, and that's Michael. <laughs> but you know, we all have our roles to play, and I appreciate you. So. Um, but man, it's it's been a hell of a time though, man. I'm I'm very grateful to do this with you. So I just want to take a little time to acknowledge you, the fans, the listeners, the the hashtag legions that uh, do tune in week in week out. We genuinely appreciate it for so, sure. Um, that being said, man, starting off this third year, my brother, the people got to know the why they've tuned in all these these years. What you been watching, my brother? My man, uh, I finally finished the bear. The bear. The bear. Uh, FX bear cast. Yeah, <laughs> you have no idea how many times um, Michael owns a dog named Zoe the bear. Technically, she owns me. Well, yeah, but... she, that's very true. And she busts in this room all the time while we're recording, and we always do a silly voice. We're like, "Welcome to Bearcast." And you have no idea how many times we've almost just compiled a list of interjections that have hit the cutting room floor yeah. of her barging in and us doing that voice. <laughs> and like today, we're here to talk about famine. <laughs> Best place is the map. 
<laughs> so you guys almost got a uh, an episode full of that. But uh, anyway, so that was a tangent. But you watched FXX's The Bear? Yes, yes. Or FX's The Bear? FX's is this. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Allen White and um, is fantastic in it, you know. If you haven't seen it by now, you're you're really missing out. It's it's a wonderful show that it features a lot of diversity, not just in terms of the different character aspects, but also the problems that they that they inter, uh, uh, interact with on a, on a daily basis. Like it, it's never just the restaurant; it's always the restaurant plus this interpersonal relationship, and then this other interpersonal relationship has overlapping, you know, overlying issues with the, with the other one. And then it's how it's all sort of interconnected, you know, but just the central hub being it, it all is it's how at the restaurant plays. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. in what Chicago. Yeah. 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 Um, basic. I, I know you told us before his basic premise is like his, whoever used to own the restaurant, his dad or somebody dies. His, his brother. Yeah. His brother, his, his brother who yeah. was played by John Barenthal. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's got an underrated performance before. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah he must have. You can't protect him. Really. Yeah, he got one just for that line alone. <laughs> Anywho, uh, yeah, uh, his Jeremy Allen uh, White's uh, Carmine is the kid's name. Uh, his brother owned the restaurant and got into some issues. He had some substance abuse problems, a lot of gambling debt stuff, stuff like that, and he basically, you know, unalived himself. Ah. and so. Uh, Carmine was working at this really, really high-end, like, four-star Michelin restaurant. I mean, doing really intricate food work. I mean, hoity-toity, very silver, fine dining. Silver spoon stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah white yeah. gloves, all that good stuff. Uh, so he left that in order to come back and run his brother's uh, restaurant. And so it's it, episode one is, li- is him literally coming in the first day and... Uh, just seeing exactly how big of a disaster he's inherited, you know, like holes in the walls that have been just filled in with like people just stuffing, t- you know, paper towels in them or something like that, or uh, you hanging know. a photo over it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, like just creditors from like six months ago that are just now getting you know billed and stuff like you know just all that all that good stuff. Finding his brother's secret stash of pills and stuff like that. So um, yeah, and then. It just kind of goes from there, and so he hires on a couple of people. He brings in his cousins. He brings in his, you know, certain family members to help him sort of rebuild from scratch, and it just kind of goes from there, man. It's 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 a wonderfully written show, and it's it's so well shot, and I think everybody that acts in it is makes huge swings. You know? Nice. You think they just were given the the reins to do so via the director or showrunner or whatever, just being like, "Hey, we're gonna you really embrace this character kind of thing," or was it just written that way? I think it's a little column A, a little bit of column B. Okay. I think that a they hired the right people. I think they, they casted it well. Yeah, they yeah. cast they cast it really really well, and I think also I think that the writing just stands on its own. You know, not saying you could hand it to anybody and it would work, but giving it to the right people really elevates it to a new level. I mean, it's gotten really good reviews, and I think he won an Emmy or something. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, he was nominated, but I think he won an Emmy last year for it um, for his work in it. Uh, what's his name? Jeremy, whatever. Jeremy Allen White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. also uh, in a new movie, uh, The Iron Claw. Have you seen the, the trailer? For I've this? seen the trailer. It's the A twenty four joint with mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Um, Zach Efron. Zach, Zach Efron, who yeah. I like actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm kind of coming around on him. Yeah, he's um, come a long way from Glee. Yeah, that's for sure. That's so. for sure. Yeah, uh, the story of the Von Erich family, which if you've, even if you're not a wrestling fan, 
get into like find do a little uh, internet research on them dude that that story is so tragic it's just like one tragedy after the other after the other after the other after the other well don't spoil the the movie for those who have no no no, no. I'm, I'm not going to but it, it is a movie about wrestling but also like it's not going to be a movie about wrestling yeah no, I, I figured so i figured so a24 is not just going to be like here's a wrestling movie right but yeah so anyways um but anyway back to the bear um so you finished the second season? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess. Are they geared up for a third? I, they, yeah, they, they, they drop it on the perfect, like the they, they stick the landing perfectly. It, it leaves you a little dissatisfied, but in in a really beautiful way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like they, they, it doesn't give you exactly the thing that you wanted, but it gave you the thing that you kind of needed. Okay, I gotcha. All right. Well, yeah. No. Um, I was gonna go off on a tangent real quick, but we'll 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 save it for another time. Because, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of endings being dissatisfied, did you watch any of the movies we said we were gonna watch by the end of the year? Uh, no, no, I did not. Good, because I didn't finish by Jack Horseman. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. So endings being dissatisfied. I was gonna go from what I understand. Kind of like BoJack Horseman, and then I was like, "Yeah, you have no frame of reference." Is how I got to that tangent oh, in my okay. mind, right? Because I heard like, "Oh, it's it's eerily dissatisfying," but it's also like that's the best way for this show to right, end right. is because like it's the same way that like it's very meta that BoJack Horseman the show never won an Emmy, mm-hmm. and it's like I remember Will Arnett tweeted out was like, "It's kind of oddly satisfying that BoJack Horseman." The show right. didn't win an Emmy. Right, like, right, so, right, 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 right. Yeah, even though it fully deserves it. Yeah, but, yeah, very, very apropos. Yeah. So anyways, that was how I got to that tangent in my mind. I don't usually <laughs> peel back the curtain to that layer. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. Um, what would you rate The Bear? Oh, I'm going to give it three, three chopsteaks. Nice. Okay. Um, does this, I know this is such a played out trope or whatever. But when people are like, the city itself is a character, they'll be like, the city of Gotham is a character in the like. Does it does it matter that it's in Chicago at all, or is it kind of like, or is it just is Not, it? It's a bunch of people like I demand schnitzels and warm pretzels and shit like that. I mean, it, yes, there is there is very much a Chicago element in terms of the food he's trying the, to the sell, the food he's selling, the accent stuff, but. And, and and it's it's really well shot. Like the the, the shots of the city that, or the stuff that takes place in the city is is really beautiful. But now, like Chicago is sort of the background character. I mean, I almost dare say you could kind of almost substitute any any town and it would also work. Okay. Or, or any like major town. You I got gotcha. you. I, mean? I got gotcha. you. So that was my only question. I didn't know if it was like he came in and it was like a, a sausage joint. You know, obviously Chicago. I'm, I'm speaking in stereotypes, but some of it's right. true. There's a major Polish population there. Right. It's all pretzels po- and sausages. Polish sausage. And, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah, we're not selling that anymore. We're doing high end food with low market, your um, you know, low budget kind of right, feel. Right. So no, I, no, no. I don't know if that was like a, but yeah. No, not at all. Okay. Well, I want to watch that show. It's just there's so much content, man, and I'm. I know it's hard to keep track of them all. Fucking being a homeowner, bro, it's like <laughs> it's just it's, it never ends. It just there's always some shit to do. Did you ever see the movie The Money Pit? Uh, yes, on Comedy Central, like when we first got cable, um, it was they played that, and then they a movie I also mix it up with all the time because I watched them both in the same day is War of the Roses. It's always oh, mix really? those. I always mix those two movies up. Uh, yeah, it's because I watched them both the same day. So 
Okay. So, yeah. I, yeah, I, I haven't seen that movie in a very long time, though. It's yeah. Tom Hanks, and they get the house that's falling apart on every single aspect, and it's a Yeah, literal, it's, uh, it's got what's-your-name from, from Cheers in it. Um, yeah. Um, I know you're talking not, about. Not Kirstie Alley? No, I know who you're talking about, though. <laughs> yeah. I can see your face. I don't remember her name, though. Not a big Cheers person, so. Uh, well, what else have you been watching, my guy? Oh, man. That's, uh, I mean... Saw something real recently, but we can get into it later if you uh, want. For our anniversary, yeah, the yeah, anniversary no. jump off. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, that, other than that, man, that's 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 pretty much it. I just been like I said, I just been grinding lately. That's 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 been my modus operandi. I ain't nothing wrong with that, my guy. Um, well, yeah, you got a question you want to ask me, or uh, nope, that about wraps that's up for this podcast. We'll see you guys next. <laughs> no sponsors, no nothing. Well, my brother, what you been watching? Oh, great question. Uh, I'm going to run through the gauntlet of films that did not quite make it to uh, our Christmas episodes. Mm -hmm. I kind of went back between Christmas and now. I've just been kind of like watching a lot of things that is just still kind of tis the season, as it were. (laughs) So I didn't want to talk about them all. But I'll run through them real quick, though. Uh, I saw Love Actually in its entirety for the first time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like... I get why people like it. Um, okay. It's it's a little, it's kind of, I know we say this word a lot, but it is kind of charming. The characters are well written enough. The only thing that's really weird, though, is I always saw the 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 scene online where the guy holds up all the signs. Right, right, right. And, it's, and he's going to Kira Knightley, who, you know, I always have loved. But um, he's holding up the signs to her. I never realized he's yeah, that's, like. Uh, that's Andrew Lincoln, isn't it? I uh, Rick, That's Rick Yeah, Grimes. I think so, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize that he's hitting on his best friends yeah. married yeah. like they just got married and he's like confessing his love to her and like some silent way like I'll always admire you from a distance, you're very beautiful, da 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 and it's like Thanks for the trauma dump. Yeah, and then she runs back out and kisses him in the like kisses him and it's just like, Oh, we have a thing, but it's like that's kind of kind of shitty. I yeah. I always pictured this some like giant romantic gesture and it's really like kind of underhanded. So I was a little bit blown away that like that scene was the scene that like I mean it's nice what he writes and everything like that, but it's like you're it's your best friend up there, dude. Yeah. Like, own your shit and be like, "Hey, I I've, I've stayed away from you because I mean, I guess it's not a fun conversation to have, but like, look, I've stayed away from you largely because I think you're absolutely gorgeous and out of respect for my friend, I don't know how to manage those feelings right now. So please, it's nothing against you until I can figure out how to view you in a light where I'm not, where I don't know how to blur those lines. Like it's probably best that I just stay away. But in the same breath, that's a you problem, not a them, you know, not yeah. a, not a, not a, like, that's not your, it's not his responsibility to dump that on her, you know? Yeah, like, no, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm, it's better than, what I said was, in my opinion, better than showing up secretly and being like, here's some signs, and right, then she right. runs back out to kiss him, like, that dude's gonna go home and, yeah, like, I don't know. That, that's going in the bank for sure. Yeah, it's like, uh, uh. John Cusack holding that boombox over his head and uh, say anything. Yeah. It's like 10 o'clock at night. He's playing love music. Like, hey, asshole, I have neighbors. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Your grand romantic gesture is causing me a grand inconvenience. Yeah. Like, <laughs> get out of here, bro. It's like, I got work. I'm going to do my Raphael from the Ninja Turtles voice. He works at the docks on the Union. You, you don't understand, Miriam. Yeah. <laughs> 
But no, uh, Love Actually was pretty good though. It's I, I like the the only thing I didn't get they really shoehorn in how everyone is connected. Yeah, like, like everyone knows each other via a friend via, and at the end they're all at the same play together, and it's like via the loosest of connections. It's yeah. like you never once established that Martin Freeman was friends with these people, or that this person was friends with that. Like it, it was real. Like I understand it's not like a major plot point them all being at the play together, but it is just kind of weird they all show up at this child, this elementary school play. Yeah, just like, serendipitous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of them don't even have kids that fucking go yeah, there. Exactly. Just like, exactly. Hey, you want to come see my neighbor's kids' school play? Like, no, no, I don't. No. no. <laughs> yeah, there's that line in Family Guy where Meg performs. He's like, just to let you know, Meg, I was not captivated by the story. I knew the whole time that I was watching a play. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> yeah. Just to tell Meg straight up. Um, I did actually, speaking of plays, though, I did see um, Every Christmas Story Ever. It's a play where they just kind of do like a, a mashup of everything. This We saw it at Tallahassee Theater, and mm-hmm. um, it's pretty much just a mashup of, they're doing uh, a Christmas carol. Okay. And then all the, it's only four people in the play, and the other three guys are like, we do this every year. We do this every year. Let's do something different. And then um, eventually they all just kind of mash everything up, so they do like, the Grinch and Rudolph, and they just throw it all together into one kind okay. of. So it was pretty fun, though. Um, uh, still not my favorite play I've seen recently, but it was fun. But here and over there. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, Love Actually, back to it. I dug it. I can see why people like it. Hugh Grant, I've never. It's weird. Some people always found him to be like incredibly charming and, sure. and like, oh, he's so this. I think, I think it's the posh accent is what does it. It is, it is, but like to me, and this is why I'm I'm not like judging him. I know he had some some things come out about him years ago about actually being like a womanizer and mm-hmm. having some questionable behaviors or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly, so I don't want to speak on it. I just remember. <laughs> right, right. Some and weird I, shit went down. Well, I don't know what's true and what's not, so I didn't follow the story that closely, but I remember seeing that and being like, I never saw him as charming. I always saw him as being that guy. Oh, really? Every time I saw him was being like, he's going to say the right thing and be cute so he can try to sleep with sleep with you. And it's not really charming. You know, oh, it's right. really just you kind of using people or just trying to be a player. Right, right, so, right, right. Like I remember when all that came out, I was like, does art imitate life or was I just right this whole time? <laughs> It's whatever. I just I never really saw him that way. He plays the prime minister in this, and he has the loosest security detail <laughs> I've ever witnessed of anybody with a um, status. You know what I mean? Right, a political right, right. status. So, just one dude just aimlessly wandering around, looking up at the sky, like, oh, yeah, no, definitely, just mouth agape. <laughs> yeah, people just run up on him. They're like, are you the prime minister? I'm like, yeah, I am. Yeah. So. Well, they don't have guns over there, so they don't have to worry about they it. They have bobbies. Sticks. I'm sure they do, probably. The presidential detail or the prime minister detail, but whatever. But Love Actually, I, I dug it. It's the first time I've seen it in its entirety. Um, I'd give it, I don't even know what to review it. I'd give it, um, oh, also, they write everyone to be so fucking likable in that. Yeah. Like, Liam Neeson is, like, the most lovable, likable dad yep. of all time, which, like, that's a movie that's a little too charming sometimes. It's yeah. just like, wow, this is like, mm, this this makes my teeth hurt. This yeah. Is, this is really sugary. Yeah, I wrote the hol- I watched the holiday. I- Angie loves those two movies, Love Actually and the Holiday, and um, so I watched the holiday again too. And it's weird they just write everyone to be so fucking likable right. in those movies, like of course. But um, so I will review Love Actually, and I will give it um, an ensemble cast with about four characters too many. <laughs> That's what I'll give it. 
so I watched Love Actually. I watched, uh, which was, I wanted to talk to you about this. They just recently voted this movie the greatest Christmas movie of all time. What, Love Actually? No, 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 no. The, the movie I'm about to, oh, okay. to bring up. Muppet Christmas Carol. I mean, I'll buy it. Yeah, there was a poll. But I, I'm, I'm biased. I love you know Muppets. Well, maybe everyone is though, because I mean I, I forget the poll, but it was all over our Facebook feed, and I was just like, oh snap! So Muppet Christmas Carol was voted. I don't know what the who did the voting. If it was just an online poll of like <laughs> at themuppets.com or whatever. I'm just picturing a whole string of Muppets just. <laughs> Muppets and puppeteers just checking boxes. Yeah. So, like, they've got the Muppets. Like, flood the inbox. Flood the inbox. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're talking to themselves, like, work faster. I am working faster. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I did watch this movie, though. I did watch Muppet Christmas Carol. What'd well. you think? Man, I forgot Michael Caine was, was Scrooge. Yeah. I forgot all about that. Again, that was a movie I watched a lot as a child. I watched a lot of the Muppet movies, but then I just kind of grow out of it or whatever right right and when it was fucking really good man i almost cried at the end yeah yeah like michael kane really pours it on dude i mean i i i think one of the things that why the muppets work so well um especially when you see them i I forget who it was i want to say it was johnny hams or somebody it was one i think it was john ham was in an interview and they were saying that like um kind of behind the scenes Ultimately, like, you have to treat the Muppets with a certain amount of reverence. You know what I mean? You can't just look at them. Like, you, they have to be your equals on set. You can't, sure. like... And so, I think John Hamm or somebody was talking about, like, what was it like working with Kermit? And it's like, where well, you're supposed to act like they're these... They tell you, like, act like, you know, he's a big deal in, in show business. And, like, it's an honor to meet him. He's like, but you don't have to act that way. Right. Because you're meeting Kermit the right, Frog. Right, right, like, right, right. whoever's puppeteering him is... It's irrelevant. Like, the character of Kermit is a Hollywood legend. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, you don't... It's almost, like, pointless. You don't even have to get that note. Yeah. Um, I, I, I heard an interview with... I think uh, it was John Hamm. I, I might be mixing up. If not, I just want to talk about John Hamm. Right. John, John Hamm's. <laughs> I could picture him saying Yeah. I, I heard an interview uh, where Kevin Smith uh, was talking about how he did that uh, uh, Muppets Mayhem thing recently. Right. And he was talking about how, like, on set, it's weird because... You see the puppeteer, like you see the guy working the, you know, working the Muppet, whatever. But you never, it's sort of periphery. Like you, you find yourself con- like talking to the Muppets. Like instead of talking to the puppeteer, you're talking to the Muppet itself. And they're like responding back, you know, yeah. like, like in, in their Kermit voice or, or whatever. And it's like, I, I should just be talking to the guy. I'm talking to his hand. And yet I'm not, I'm talking to like, I'm literally talking to Kermit the Frog, Yeah, you know? Which is dope. So I, I think that's why those movies work so well, is because, like I said, they treat like they're they're legit actors on stage, and yeah. so it, it works really well. Yeah. Um, Matthew once said that the reason why a Muppet Christmas Carol works so well is because Michael Caine treats the Muppets as if they are actors. Yeah, and the reason why Muppet Treasure Island works is because um, Tim Curry. Acts like a Muppet. <laughs> that's like the hottest take I've ever yeah. heard, actually. Damn, Matthew, I wish you were here to say that one. No, that's that's perfect. Yeah, Tim Curry acts like a Muppet on Muppet Treasure Island. and Michael Caine treats him like actors on Christmas yeah. Girl. Yeah. No, but Michael Caine really swings for the fences in that one. Uh, he I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't hire Michael Caine to get half-assed Caine. Yeah, yeah, he goes full Caine. Um, 
even when he uh, sings at the end, he gets a little bit flat, but you, you can appreciate it, though. Um, but no, I dug, I truly hadn't seen the movie in a very, very, very long time. I saw the article about it was the best um, Christmas movie of all time that was voted, and I, I, it's pretty high up there. Yeah. And they do, and they do Dickens. I like how Gonzo is Charles Dickens, <laughs> and he says a really funny line. He's like, how do you know all this? He goes, uh, I'm the narrator. Uh, narrators are omniscient, or whatever. Like <laughs> yeah. He's like, does he see us? He's like, no, 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 I'm the narrator. Narrators right. are omniscient. Right, uh, right, right. What's the, the his rat friend's name, Rizzo? Rizzo, yeah. yeah. Rizzo's funny, too. I know that's Matthew's favorite Muppet as well. He's, he's a big Rizzo guy. I've always been a big Gonzo. Yeah, me and, as well. Uh, I like Fozzie. Fozzie's- I love Fozzie. Fozzie's my favorite, followed by, uh, by Pepe. Oh yeah, Pepe the Shrimp, the King Prawn, King Prawn. Kermit plays uh, Bob Cratchit. That's right, and of course Miss Piggy. He's uh, loving what Miss Cratchit. That's right, and poor That's Tiny it. Tim, the little frog man. Yeah, that almost made me cry at the end. I'm not gonna lie. When uh, when he's sitting there showing it to him, uh, the 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 ghost of what's to be. Oh yeah, yeah, Christmas yeah, yeah. to be or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, please, spirit, I cannot take this anymore. He's like, please tell me that that wretched man was is myself. Please tell me that's me, you know, whatever. And he breaks it down for him without yeah. saying a word. Like you show you the air of your ways, and uh, yeah, I yeah. like that. I the, forget who's the who's the spirit. Oh, I forget. They, they kind of made up their own spirits. The one was a weird looking animatronic like girl, uh, oh, the first yeah. spirit, and then it was the giant. Like dude in a suit with right, the right. big red beard. Right, that's right. And then the last one was just like a giant fuzzy, like black, uh, kind of like a cloaked Muppet, whatever. That's right. That's Symbolic right. of death, but like not quite. Yeah, yeah, like more shadowy than like anything. Yeah, 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 yeah like, I remember. It had that. like tassels hanging down. That's stuff. right. Yeah. That's right. I remember that now. So, but yeah, no, it was really good though. So I, I appreciated that movie a lot. Um, I will rate that whatever the highest rating we can give. It what's been watching? I will give it one bend of Gonzo's nose. Excellent. Again, he's my favorite. I also watched um, another holiday classic, which another one. We were talking about. Um, uh, I think it is. Oh, it is Love Actually that has um, Mr. Bean in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were talking. Wait, Ange- is that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's Mr. Bean. What's his name? Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, Rowan Atkinson. We were talking about people that are just naturally funny. Oh yeah. And like he actually, Rowan Atkinson in Love Actually plays a very serious role. He's just all he does is tie up a watch, and he's like, "Ah, one moment, sir." And all he's doing is just tying a gift bag, much to the chagrin of Alan Rickman, that's right. taking too long because he's buying it for his mistress with his wife out shopping. And he's not doing anything funny, but he's just so naturally fucking funny that I couldn't help but laugh at yeah, him. Yeah, it's just the the way he does things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like John. I think John Cleese is kind of the same way. John, that's that's a, that's another dude. Like I would watch him read the phone book because he's gonna read it in a way to where it's just gonna have me in stitches. Even know? if he's being dead serious, like I'm not doing anything funny. I'm just reading the right, phone book. Right. It would just be funny to me. Yeah. I watched another movie that has somebody very much so, and this is a to put you up there with Rowan Atkinson and the person I'm about to name, anybody, the John Cleeses of the world. Uh-huh. Fucking Ernest. Oh, yeah. I watched Ernest Saved Christmas for the first time oh, in hell many yeah. years. Dude, that movie rules, bro. Dude, I'm telling you, man. Jim, Jim Varney is probably one of the most underappreciated actors of our generation. Like, people slept on him. He's natural. Like, I was cracking up at stuff that wasn't a joke. It's just the way he says things. He's like, I am naturally, I am one with the road. I am in tune with all four tires as we navigate our way to the airport. Like, just his delivery on everything. The close, they love doing close up, sweaty shots of him. 
Oh yeah, yeah and it's yeah. he's the best dad with the wide angle lens. And yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, and you never see Vern, his his partner that he lives with, mm-hmm. and he comes in and stuffs the tree in the house, and he's like, ah, that'll hold, and he starts ripping up the the phone out of the wall, and like, <laughs> like yeah, he's he's a brilliant comedic actor, man, and he he was like Shakespearean trained. I think he went to like Juilliard or something like that. I don't doubt it for a second. Uh, he plays multiple characters. He plays the guy that breaks into the or helps break Santa back out of jail. Mm-hmm. The, uh, He's working for the governor to do a report on the status of the jail. And the whole time, he's like, <laughs> and he puts the glasses on and does the whole character. Right. It was funny, man. Like, And I was laughing at jokes that weren't even really jokes. It was him just being the character of Ernest in mm-hmm. his delivery. He always goes off on these tangents about, like, uh, at the end, he, he asked to ride along. Santa asked him to ride along with him for one night. Sure. And he's like, well, I do have the most uh, sled tires, hours in the old sled chair, and uh, these reindeers, I do get to know them quite well now. And like, <laughs> I'm doing his, his delivery a complete injustice, but he's not saying anything that's like punchline. It's just him being funny. Right, yeah. And uh, I realized that fucking Ernest was a giant part of our childhood, and I appreciate that very much. Yeah. So, I dug it, though. I, it was... An hour, like in 26 minutes or something oh, like that. Oh, that's perfect. And I dug every second of it. That's it wasn't enough, Ernest. It's rare that you do a, <laughs> the same character in like six, eight movies. And I walked away going like, I wish I had more of that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. I mean, like, it's him and Tyler Perry. That's pretty much it. Yeah, know? I like, guess, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but I dug every second of it, man. He was naturally very funny. And uh, he saved Christmas, man. So, big shout out to Ernest. Cool. What are you uh, going to rate it? I will give it... A Vern, a Vern, Vern, Vern. <laughs> now, he does something in the very beginning, and this is a song I used to sing, and I think I must have got it from him. The movie came out in 1988, Ernest Saves Christmas. And so it, I, was it really? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was early 90s, but yeah. Um, so I remember, but it's just him, like the first scene, it's just him driving in a taxi, and the first thing you hear him go is just, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. <laughs> and he just repeats it. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Right. <laughs> like, I was dying laughing. And it's like the opening line of dialogue. <laughs> it's just him making silly faces. Not knowing the words to a song or some shit that I would do. Yeah, that's. but that's so relatable because that's all shit that we've done. You know what I mean? Like, how many times have you been alone by yourself in your car just saying stupid shit and making fun, you know, faces in the rearview mirror. Yeah, all too often. So, <laughs> I don't know. If, I think Ernest might have influenced me on that because I sing very silly shit to myself. <laughs> so uh, yeah, highest we, we've spoken. Jim Varney is on our wall of fame, unquestionably. Yeah, uh, we, he's still way too handsome to play such a silly character. <laughs> and if they ever do an Ernest again, you got to give it to John Cena. I don't. You got to. He you think so? Too, you got to. He looks just like him. I like, mean, like 180 pounds heavier, but you know. I don't care, man. I don't care. <laughs> He's close enough. Jim Barney's too goddamn handsome. To be. That's right. So, oh yeah, when he uh, he dresses up at the at the very end to sneak into the movie studio to get the the guy that needs to replace Santa. Oh uh, yeah, okay. I think I remember. He okay. he plays a hillbilly delivering snakes, and he loves playing these characters. You can tell he gets really into them because <laughs> at the end you can tell they're like, all right, cut. You you don't hear the director say it, but you can tell it was something that he threw in. And he goes, poison! Hollywood always wants poison! And he drives off in the truck. <laughs> He's talking about the poison snakes. Poison! Hollywood always wants poison! <laughs> he just peels off in the truck. And you could tell that it was like he just kept rolling just long enough for him to get one more improv in that made sure, the cut. Sure, right, so, right, right. So, I dug it, man. Rest in peace, Jim Barney. You are definitely on the Watchmen Watching oh, man. Hall of Fame. So, 
And Ernest Scared Stupid is one of the greatest oh, Halloween I, movies. I watch that all the time, dude. No. That's that's just Jim Varney dressing up and doing silly voices. I'm in. Let's yep. do it. Yep. So, uh, real quick, the last one I watched, I did watch a newer movie. Um, I watched John Woo and his return to cinema in mm-hmm. the movie Silent Night, starring Joel Kinnaman. Oh, okay. Rick Flag of the DCEU. Who right, right. I like right. as an actor. He's, I've not seen him in a lot of other stuff, but I liked him as, uh, as Rick Flag for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 adequate. I, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna like slag on him. I haven't seen him in a lot, but yeah. he's okay in, yeah. in my opinion. I liked him in The Suicide Squad a lot. Like, he, yes, yeah, yeah. When he called John Cena. Speaking of which, he's like, "You're a phony" or whatever. He called. Yeah. He's like, "You're a joke." <laughs> he calls him as he dies. He's like, "You're a joke." Um. But no, I uh, he was in the movie Silent Night, John Woo directed. Okay. Um, man, I gotta say, there's probably like 40 words said in this whole movie. Oh, really? Yeah, like not only, the whole premise of the movie is, just a quick spoiler, they, they tell you pretty quickly. If not, you can discern it pretty quickly. I think they give it away in the trailer. Actually. Yeah, the yeah. dude, Joel Kinnaman, is playing outside on Christmas and a drive-by happens and they kill his son. Mm-hmm. And then so he runs them down, the the two cars that are in this violent, violent, like fully automatic gun shootout. He runs them down and kind of rounds a corner with his crowbar and breaks, throws the crowbar through the window. And then the two drivers take off after him, or the remaining driver takes off after him and chases him down. Shit happens. One of the guys gets decapitated, but in the process, Joel Kinnaman finds himself on the ground. One of the passengers of the car then gets out and shoots him in the neck. And so he loses his voice box. The opening 10 minutes, dude, they show like a surgery scene. Oh, geez. And it's actually, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little more squeamish than I probably care to admit. It's weird. Some violence, it, it's real hit or miss with me. Some sure. things I'm like, eh, it's whatever. But like open wounds and shit like that uh-huh. gross uh-huh. me out. And so they just show this, it, a literal bubbling open, like open wound out of this dude's neck for like way too long. And they're like pumping the blood out of it. I was like, all right, I get it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> And it's weird. You didn't need to see exactly how the steak was made. But two minutes ago, I watched somebody get decapitated by a forklift, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." So I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I guess it's because I can discern that, like, that is camp. You know what I mean? Right, right, and right. And that is like that's just the bubbling opening, like open wound. That yeah, is. yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, I can I can watch the most violent, you know. Uh, a horror movie, but then like watching a war movie where you like you know like the the, the shot in uh, Saving Private Ryan, you know where the, where they come in after uh, D Day and you see the dude just pick up a, a, an arm and sling it over his yeah. like you know yeah, he's so shell like shell shocked from the explosion that yeah he just, just picks up his severed arm yeah, yeah like wild. that one weirds me out like like yeah. that that makes me queasy but I can watch people get their eyes gouged out in a horror movie and just be like that looked like great yeah no it's it's weird how you do that because there's a lot of uh, more I'll, I'll, as the movie goes on I'll explain it but there's a scene it's it's John Woo doing John Woo and mm-hmm. so he he's in the trailer it's like it's a return to there's a lot. It's not overdone slow-mo, and I'm going to take a shot at somebody. It's not like Zack Snyder, where it's just like, he knows when it's, like, it'll be fast-paced, and then, like, when there's an impact, like, for example, in the opening scene, a car, one of the cars runs into a fire hydrant and flips, and he slows it down so you can see the water gush out and the car flip over it, and you're like, yeah, all right, cool, but then it speeds it back up, and it's like, let's get to it again. That's the John Woo that I know and love. Like, he was the one that, like, you can say, oh, you can't. It's very rare that there's usually when you talk action movies, especially of a certain genre, you speak about the stars. You mm. speak about the Arnolds. Right. You speak about the Sylvester Stallones. You speak about the Bruce Willis. 
you speak about uh, certain actors. You know what I mean? Right. John Woo is the name that gets up in directors. So like, this is the guy that goes on the Pantheon. Yes, oh, he, uh, he did certainly bring his Chow Yun fat and stuff like that. But in terms of directors, you usually don't view the action directors. Maybe like Chad Stelsky of... John Wick fame, things of that nature. The Michael Bay, the something like that. Yeah, yeah but like no one is like John Woo's got to be up there with those guys. Well, I mean, because he set the standard. Right. I mean, like, like in I mean. the in the late eighties, early nineties. I mean, everyone wanted to do what John Woo was doing. Like he he literally changed he the wrote game. The book. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I mean, like every movie that came after him was like, that's what we're doing. That's that's how you do an action movie. Yeah. And so you you see some of that. His signature style is definitely there. So many doves. Yeah, there's some pigeons in this one for sure. <laughs> but uh, you see uh, like the slow mo shots he does well. You can tell he upped his game a little bit. There's certain fight sequences where Joel Kinnaman is storming the bad guy's base at the end, and he's going up a flight of stairs. Very cool. And they do a good job of like again the John Wicks of the world, the the raids of the world uh, changed it where like you can't do. Quick cut, quick cut, quick cut. I don't mind those as long as you can keep me action oriented. But you gotta show the cool shit. Like you gotta show the impact of the punches. Right. You gotta show the fatigue of the guy. There's certain check marks, and he checks them. Well, it's because audience have gotten smarter to that. Like yep. they 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 know. I think now that they can, sh- audiences now know when they're editing around somebody who can't fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And here's the thing is you don't need to do a 40 a forty move set like a martial artist. Give me 12 moves at a time and then you can cut. And then give me another 12. Like show it from the other angle and do it fluidly where it's like you can then see, follow the action. And now we're going from this way, from the stairs, we're going back down because we pushed them down. Well, it's, it's like That's a comic a book. You have to show the sequence of events. You have to yeah. – like I have to be able to watch this fight and understand like, all right, I just saw him throw three elbows and a flying knee and then the other guy caught his leg. Boom, now we take off in a whole nother action sequence and like whereas if it's just cut elbow knee, cut elbow catch, but it's just like wait, wait, who's what's happening now? Right. And so John Woo really you can tell he kinda kept up with the times on this. Um it's certainly again, and I'm not taking shots at anybody, it's certainly not like a John Wick or like the raid where it's really long shots of things. Mm. But he definitely he knows of like, all right, audiences are beginning to expect this in terms of action film, so he brings his certain flair to it. He brings he kind of keeps up with some of the newer times and then but it's it still reeks of John Woo. That's and cool. that's a good thing, man. Um I will say it's because like you said earlier, he wrote the book on it. Mm-hmm. People have been imitating John Woo for so long sure. that it's good to see him um come back to form, you know, and be like, "Oh shit." But in terms of does this elevate? Sadly, I don't think it does. I think it, it checks all the particular John Woo boxes that you want. Which, which you know, yeah. Which is, is why I went to go see right. the movie. Like, a, don't get it twisted. Um, but it, I wouldn't say that it's it's more of a status quo thing for John Woo than Got it is it. like an L of, holy shit, John Woo is back and right, badder right, than ever. Right, so right. It He was, changed the game again. Again, yeah. Right, so right, I was right. a little, I wouldn't say disappointed, but I, I don't really know a better word for it. Um, a little bit disappointed in that sense of I was hoping there was going to be some elevation of things. Sure. But it is also, I haven't seen a John Woo type movie in a long time. Right, right, right. Where somebody throws on a, a black leather jacket and jumps on a motorcycle and you're like, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. He's going to use, I bet at some point he's going to use this motorcycle as a projectile. <laughs> he does. He does. Um, people going strapped to the teeth. Um, 
it does slow down a little bit. Really, there's a, a montage of pretty much what it is. Joel Kinnaman drinks himself. He starts going into a depressive slump because he goes to he wakes up with a no voice box. Right. He can't express his anger. He can't express his rage. There's a scene of him trying to yell, and all that comes out is air. It's like, <sighs> and he's yelling as loud as he thinks he can. And so you kind of see the frustration in him. And his wife, he starts just drinking all day. And so okay. his wife eventually has enough and is like, yeah, fucking get out of here. Like, I'm I'm not staying around for this. And uh, he puts it on a calendar of like, in one year, he's like, everyone dies. And it's, Christ- <laughs> it's Christmas night. And so really, it kind of slows down in the middle of it's just a giant training montage sure, right. of him like... All right, and so like around learning how to hotwire cars and working out and buying guns, and I'm sure lots of shirtless shots of him cleaning and oiling guns. Not quite, but you're not too far off. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Almost as if I've seen this one before. Yeah, which again, the montage goes a little too long because we know the end result. Sure. And so the how of it all, it does show a nice progression of him. Like there's a certain move he's trying to do in his car. And, like, you see the progression of him, like, getting closer to doing it. And then he finally does it all in one fell swoop. It's a pretty cool shot, but you were like, we knew he was going to get there. We can we can right. trim some of the fat here a little bit. Sure, um, yeah. And, and it's, that's just one aspect of it. And then there's also an aspect of him going to the gun range. And it's like, I get, I bet any amount of money that this his spread is going to get closer and closer. Right, right, right. Sure enough, it does. He's going to start out all over the place, and then they're going to... Eventually, they're going to cut to like behind the target. It's just going to be little pinpoints, all like that's, within a, the, the spot of a dime. That's exactly that. In yeah. fact, they put the camera behind the the piece of paper, and you, as he's shooting, one little hole comes, and by the time it's it's actually kind of a cool shot because he's still continuing to shoot as he hits the button to pull the paper to him. Okay, and so it's getting closer and closer to Joel Kinnaman, and you just see it opening up more and more and more and that's more cool. and more. So it's actually kind of a cool shot. So I got to give it. A little bit of, I've never seen that before, so a little credit there. So, um, also the rapper Kid Cudi isn't it? Okay, and uh, he does a little bit of action himself. And I was thinking to myself, whether I was an action star or not, there's certain people that if I was in the game, and I'm never mad at any rapper, any singer, any person who wants to try to cross over into film. If you got opportunity and you've always dreamed of being an actor, sure. man, fucking shoot your shot. As long as you respect the craft. Do yeah. your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's one or two shots that he actually does some action. And he's like, oh, cool. You, you put in the work for that two-second shot. You know, you right. sl- he slides over, kicks someone in the knee, catches him from falling and hitting the ground to make a sound and shoots him in the neck. Probably like three seconds worth of action. But you could tell he probably trained for that for several weeks. Sure. So, like, yeah. good for you. You respected the craft. You did your thing. But I bring all that up to say that, like, if I was one of those people that had an opportunity and my agent called me and said, like, hey, John Woo's putting out another flick. I'd be like, I will take a pay cut right. to work with right. the legendary John Woo. Like, I will work as a janitor. Not playing a janitor. I will work <laughs> as the janitor. Right. <laughs> you can just roll camera on just, me like that's turbo from breaking, sweeping, <laughs> up, sweeping up outside. Turbo from breaking. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I, I respect the fact that he, he was in it. He did his thing. And again, it's one of those things like if somebody called me and was like, hey, you want to work with Chow Yun Fat? Like, yes. Sure do. What? Only since I was twelve. Yeah, you want to? John Woo's doing another action movie. I don't care what you got to do. Get me, get me a meeting. At least get me in the room to try out for right. the part. Like, right. please. Right. I'll do it for less money because he's a legend. How many more right. bites at the apple does this dude right. really have? I will verbally fillet him until he <laughs> right. lets me into his movie. Yeah. Be like, you're so great. You're so great. Yeah. All that thing. Just like Chris Farley. Like, remember in in. 
Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. Remember in, in Hard Boiled when he yeah, slid down the banisters, shooting the gun. Which that is, was that was cool. Which is like like the coolest fucking. <laughs> Hard Boiled is one of the greatest action movies of all time. Me- remember in, in Crouching Tiger when they were they were running on the trees. It's Ang Lee, but still. Oh, never mind. You might take offense to that. <laughs> like, yeah, I remember it too. Not one of mine. <laughs> yeah. Shit. See, that's why I don't get the part. Yeah, I know. But um, so yeah, shout out to him for that. I will say all the montage and stuff aside, when it ramps up to around like November is when he starts to kind of ex- exact his plan or whatever. Okay. He kidnaps a guy to try to get answers. It doesn't go according to plan. He gets stabbed and <laughs> he gets kind of fucked up. And I was like, man, you've had a whole year to train for this. You might need some more practice. But um, right when the plan goes into play. Oh, he didn't think they would have knives. Yeah, well, he gets a little too sloppy in his execution. It, okay. it goes sour quick. He, he hands him a pen to like, hey, write down all this information. And let's just say, what would you shit, do if you were hand bound and you had it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably try to stick it in his eye. Yeah. So, but I will say it also is kind of cool. Um, there's maybe like, there is very little dialogue in this movie. And I mean, like you could count it in maybe both hands. Okay. Each line that said, um, most of it's either text messages or stuff on the radio. When someone turns it on, you'll hear but, like the actual characters themselves speak very little. So, okay. outside of Joel Kinn, it's not just him going yes, no, sending text messages. He refuses to use the voice box. So, okay, he uses it once and then throws it on the ground. It's like, nope. Um, but, spoiler alert, at the very end, there's a scene where he finally catches up to the big bad guy. The mm-hmm. guy who shot him and was responsible for the drive-by that killed his son. And uh, it's kind of it's kind of a graphic scene, but you can tell like the rage and the justice of like... He chokes. He he doesn't shoot him. He ends up just choking him yeah. to death. Okay. And like the guy is screaming for help, and you can kind of see like now you know how it feels to not have a voice and feel helpless. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. it's this weird kind of poetic justice told by violence, and it's it's weird because like I said earlier, I'll be grossed out by open wounds and shit like that. But there's a scene where he's fighting this big guy, and they stumble into the arms closet of this drug dealer, and he's like, "Oh, so you can imagine right. what happens." Right. He gets a hold of an AR-15. He does a slow-mo shot where he drops to his knees and throws the gun over his shoulder and shoots the dude underneath the chin through the top of his head. Of course. And, like, it's so weird when you root for violence. You're like, yeah! <laughs> right. But, like... Because <laughs> I'm not... Oh, he just died in glorious, bloody fashion. That yeah. was awesome. And so when he's choking the dude at the end, it's like it's kind of a graphic scene, but it's, it is weird. The, the poetry of it all wasn't lost on me. You know, and it's sure. it's real surface level of like, yeah, now you know how it feels to be helpless well, and to and not I, have a voice. And also, it's a, it's, it's I will more, take from you first what you took from me last. So it, right, 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 right. Yeah, it it's also way more personal in terms of like, I mean, literally choking the life out of someone with your own bare hands, as opposed to you know tra- shooting them from far away from you know with a bullet or what or what have you, or, yeah. or even using a knife. Like literally, like using your strength, your power, your rage to be like, shh, 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 yeah, sleep. Yeah, so uh, it's it's a pretty good movie though, man. I would definitely, um, if you catch it on streaming, I'm sure it'll be there pretty soon. It's definitely worth a watch. It's not, a, I wouldn't call it a game changer. It definitely is the status quo of John okay. Woo. But, but it's John look, Woo. Man, more John Woo is good, yeah. John Woo. So uh, I will rate that movie two. I see what you did there. No. <laughs> I was going to give it two boxes of Newport shorts in a box because if you get addicted to those you will end up as well with a voice box <laughs> which Newport shorts actually in a box is, a, is high currency so I might want to change those to like Virginia Slims maybe so um, some Marlboro stacks yeah for real um, other than that though man I watched Loki season 2 
and Red Dawn. I'll I'll talk Loki season two when you finish it. Okay. Because I actually I really don't want you to watch that. It's, sure. Um, I, I think there's a lot of discussion, especially in the last two episodes. And I watched Red Dawn as well. I didn't sit through the whole thing. I came in about halfway through, and it was my first time ever seeing it. I will say this though. Red Dawn, when I walked away from it, I said, that movie is just Home Alone of guerrilla warfare. <laughs> That's all it is. A bunch of plucky up-and-comers with very zero military intelligence or strategic minds. Just a bunch of Kevin McAllister's facing off against the, the communist invaders. The, the entire communist invaders. And they're like, you're a hero across the nation, Patrick Swayze. And it's like, okay. like, Are you really? Like, How are you getting these communications out? So... And I also like the fact that there's one point where they uh, they go down, these supplies fall off of a truck, and they go down and investigate if the food is edible or not. Right. And instead of uh, them going down there fully armed, they're just send Jennifer Grey unarmed. They're like, send the women out first. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the worst cut. It's like in the middle of a road where there's yeah. no cover. There's zero protection. They're still hiding up in the rocks like two football fields away. Like, I wonder if this is a trap. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So. I love that movie. It's got uh, C. Thomas Howell and Charlie Sheen in it. It's got and, uh, a lot of a lot of stars. Jennifer Grey, Jennifer Beale. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like. And then Powers Booth plays the the, the pilot. Yeah, Powers Booth is he? Uh, I, I recognize him. He does a lot of military stuff. He's in oh, MacGruber. Yeah. He also did. Um, he was the like the mayor or whatever it was in Sin City, the corrupt that, mayor. That's right. Fan. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. He was. Yeah, wasn't he? Uh, he was Curly Joe in Tombstone, right? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah good career. I, I, we might have to give out two today, but <laughs> underrated performance of the week. Powers Booth in yeah. one of those movies. Wolverines. Yeah, I, you don't realize how parodied something parodied something is uh-huh. until you see it from the source. Right. I, I always had a, the uh, when the dad is sitting behind the gate at the uh, encampment. Or oh whatever, yeah, yeah. Like, Avenge me, Avenge me, yeah. Avenge me. You see that on South Park. You've seen it on The Simpsons. Yeah. You've seen it. We were talking on a previous podcast about how something when um, we we're talking about uh, Doctor Sleep and um, the source material it comes from. Uh, what do you, Doctor Sleep, uh, Stephen King, The Shining, The Shining. Thank oh you. yes, I drew I'm a blank. Sorry. I was trying to think of where, where yeah. you were going with that. We were talking about it earlier on another episode where something can stand the test of time without being seen or whatever. Right, it's right, in a right. lexicon like, of. Right, right. It just it gets it it gets so put into the pop culture zeitgeist that it's sort of just. You you don't have to have seen the source material to know to know the meme kind of thing. Right, and so that scene in Red Dawn, Avenge Me, Avenge Me. <laughs> I was laughing because I was like, but I was really proud of myself when I came up with my my takeaway from that movie. I go, this is just Home Alone of guerrilla warfare. <laughs> <laughs> the best synopsis I can give. So uh, on that note, that's uh, my dumping of all the information. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk about a movie near and dear oh, to our hearts. Celebration. So, this is why you tuned in. This is how we're going to celebrate our anniversary. We thought long and hard about which movie um, we were going to discuss for the anniversary, and only one thing came to That's mind. That's right. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Cargo Shorts. Cargo Shorts, because most men don't own purses. That's right. We'll be right back.
back from our sponsor, Cargo Shorts. Cargo Shorts, sneaking in flasks of whiskey and uh, dollar store candies for generations now. <laughs> what was the other one? Dollar store shorts, because you know you got a toddler at That's home. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. So, I've been busting my gums, bumping my gums over here for the last little bit. My brother, why don't you tell them what we decided to watch for the anniversary of our What You've Been Watching going into third year? We watched, quite possibly, the greatest movie ever to come out of the early 90s. Not talking about Schindler's List. <laughs> Since it's the third year we're going into, we figured we'd kick things off right by watching the classic Three Ninjas. This movie is a classic, and I like what you did there when you said kick this off. Yes, sir. No, uh, this movie, Three Ninjas, is a huge part of our childhood. And we I know we've I can't believe we left this out. We always talked about how like what's well, one of those movies that you used to rent all the time. Oh yeah. It was like, you know, Starship Troopers, we said, Stargate. Um, there was a couple others that we threw out there. Mm-hmm. Um this one was rented, or I think we might have owned it at one point. Oh, I'm, we absolutely owned it. You sure. saw this movie at every childhood party you went to um, after it came out for years and years and years to come. Everybody was watching Three Ninjas. <laughs> so, um, man, I got a million thoughts on it. What are your thoughts on it? You want to give them the rundown? I don't want to do a plot synopsis because go watch the movie. It's, right, right. It's super rad, so we might touch on some plot I mean, points, basic but... basic plot line is three brothers learn ninjutsu and have to defend themselves yeah and they get rad nicknames in the process that's right Rocky Colt Colt and Tum Tum <laughs> alright so just some basic facts and we'll just run through it released August 7th 1992 directed by John Turtletub what else did he direct because I recognized the name at the end of the movie I'm glad like, you asked that he directed Cool Runnings classic While You Were Sleeping Phenomenon the John Travolta one that we were making fun of recently? Phenomenon. Yeah. Do, that we, do, 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 do. That we Phenomenon. Mixed, that we mixed up with Powder. <laughs> and Michael. I, I couldn't That's remember. Right. We mixed all three of those movies That's into right. one film. Uh, he directed National Treasure 1 and 2. That's right. That's right. And he directed The Meg, didn't he? The Meg. Oh, he did do The Meg, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, had a budget of... Two point five million, and it grossed. How much do you think? Um, probably back in the day, it's definitely not a hundred million dollar movie. No, no, no. But I know in terms of video rentals, it had to do well. Oh, it became a cult classic for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Probably forty million. A little less. Oh, what was it? Oh, twenty nine mil. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. say back in the day, like a hundred million dollar movie. But again, back in the, the, the the budget for the movie was two and a half. Yeah. So I mean, they what? Ten times, fifteen yeah. times their money. Yeah, yeah, ten times your money at least. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not. We're not scientists. You can get a calculator. Yourself. <laughs> I don't know how numbers work. Yeah. yeah, opened at number four in the box office. Yeah, I don't doubt that. I mean, back in the day, though, man, like a, a hundred million dollar movie was like a a true blockbuster. Now a hundred million dollars is like you don't even make your on true blockbusters. You don't even make what it costs to make the movie back. Right. Like, right. But like Ace Ventura was a hundred million dollar movie. Like. Huge. That was a huge hit. Sure. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. Right. Just to put it in perspective, this doing 30 off of 2.5 is... Yeah. 100 million in 1992, you would have had Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Julia uh, Roberts, like 
you would have had every major star in your movie with a hundred million dollar movie. Oh yeah, no, I mean the, to gross a hundred million dollars. No, I, I mean to, to but cost. Oh, cost. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that would have been twenty million for each or right. fifteen a piece. Yeah, right. easily. Right. Yeah, like Ocean's Eleven back then. Would have cost <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, yeah, no, that's pretty. I'm glad I made. I know it spun off a bunch of direct to video sequels. It did. It it was followed up by Three Ninjas Kickback. Who only one of the stars returned for. That's right. Uh, what's his name? Um, I have it. What was the kid's Rocky, name? Rocky, right? Or Colt? Colt was the no, one. No, no, no. Uh, the, the only one that was consistent through the whole thing was Tom Tom. And his name was uh, Chad Power. Oh, uh, really? Chad Power. Oh, nice. Yeah. Tom Tom was the constant throughout them all? Yep. Good for him, though. Cool. Yeah. No. So it was three ninjas, three ninjas kick back, and then all of them return for three ninjas knuckle up. Right. And then it was the one with uh, Hulk Hogan at the very end, which I just bought on Amazon, and I can't wait to watch. I'm sure you can. <laughs> we'll have a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, three ninjas escape from Mystic Mountain or something uh, it's like at that. High noon at Magic Mountain or on High Mountain, whatever it is, we'll figure it out. Mystic Mountain Blueberry, which we are contractually <laughs> obligated to talk about in every prayer. Uh, so thank you, Powerade. No, I was playing. Um, but no, all right, so Three Ninjas, man. This movie was a huge part of our childhood. We were obviously one brother short of being the complete Ninja Turtles. That's right. Um, and we've, we've talked about it before. But like, this movie is cater-made, is just for a specific audience. Oh, yeah. Of, of the early, like, mid-80s babies and, yep. you know, 80s babies to, like... This movie checks all the boxes in terms of rad shit. Like, <laughs> we, and our generation, I don't know if it was just marketing telling us what we liked, but we had a real big, we had a lot of love for ninjas. We had, yeah. we had Ninja Turtles, all right? That was our generation. Power Rangers, you were a little too old for that, but you still respected right. it. We had Power Rangers, okay, which was ninjas, right. you know? We had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Did I mention them already? Yeah, you did. I did. Yeah. Oh, that was first. Uh, yeah. I only had two fingers up. I fucked it up already. <laughs> so yeah, we had Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers. We had Batman, all right, who is a ninja. Let's right. let's not right. get it twisted. Big Bad Beetleboards. Yeah. You had the you know all those Japanese spinoffs of you know people in bright costumes combining robots. Mortal Kombat came out, which yep. the focus on everyone was that was Scorpion Sub Zero. It was like like it was a fucking ninja fest. We had a game show back in the day that came on. I forget what it was called, but it was like wrestling, but it was in an octagon and it was scripted. And you would be like, "Oh, Red Dragon's gonna take on Golden Phoenix this week." Oh and they yeah, had these, yeah. It was these like symbols that if you oh. broke their their uh, symbol or what their medallion or whatever, it was like you would defeat them. And yeah, that shit ruled. That? Was that like Ninja Assault? What was it called? I don't remember, but it was badass, and we should probably do more homework on it it's like but. combat arena i yeah yeah it was all it was all scripted like uh uh, uh martial arts fighting it was like pro wrestling but with with martial arts yeah i remember that yeah, Damn, that show what was ruled. that called i don't remember but either way we ninjas were a big deal uh i'm sure i'm forgetting some ninja outlet or something like I that i mean the karate kid oh karate kid thank yeah, you yeah yeah, yeah that was yeah yeah i mean that was the one that at least for me set the whole thing off you yeah know? yeah and again i was karate kid came out before you know it was before I was born, but still, it was a thanks huge the, part of yeah, it. Yeah, thanks to the wonder of VHS tape. Yeah, it was over and over on and over constant and over. rotation. Like mm-hmm. Batman '89 was in constant rotation. Mm-hmm. I was born in '86. Like, can't tell me. You know, <laughs> Power Rangers came out when I was in kindergarten. You know, Ninja yeah. Turtles was always a big deal. Like, yeah. so yeah, I don't think you've. I don't remember a time in your life without Ninja Turtles. No, no I don't. I don't. Yeah. That's their 
Like we, I'm the Ninja Turtles generation for sure. <laughs> um, same thing with Power Rangers, man. So it's like that was that was our shit. You know, yeah. Ultraman was also making a comeback then. Oh, I love Ultraman. Yeah, but that's a different. Anywho's. Um, so no, this movie like incorporates everything, man. It was three brothers. Obviously, there's three of us: Michael, Matthew, and Marcus. Um, there was three of these ninjas. Right. Uh, each one of them. We were we were pretty much similar in age to 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 the kids in the movie. Like I think maybe I would we might we three might have been a little bit older than they were, but uh yeah, somewhere in that like twelve to eight range. Yeah. And this like the the whole thing was like their grandfather's gonna go teach them how to be ninjas and he's like this Mr. Miyagi dude played by Victor Wong. That's right. Uh big shout out. He was in Big Trouble in Little China. He was in Seven Years in Tibet is in a great movie called Tremors, which yes. is one of our middle brother, Matthew's favorite films yeah, of all he was, time. He's the, he's the store owner that names them Graboids. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I forgot that's what they're called. It's Graboids. Good. Yeah, yeah. good pull. And he's apparently in a Jeremy Renner movie, which we've never seen, called Paper Dragons, which now is high, super high on our <laughs> list of young Jeremy Renner playing a, a bad guy who leaves another bad guy for dead, and that guy then in turns to martial arts to rescue everybody, so... That'll be an upcoming episode here. See, now soon. you don't even have to watch the trailer. Yeah, we got it. Trust <laughs> me. I saw that. I was like, wait, Renner was in this? Wall of Fame Renner? Um, but yeah, no. So this, I'm, I'm going off on tangents. This movie checked all the boxes for everything that we thought was awesome. Three brothers, all ninjas, played video games, and then you get into a Home Alone aspect. <laughs> That's right. Which was like top notch. Um, so yeah, man, it checked all the boxes for us, man. Um, you want to talk about it though? I mean, yeah, I just remember how many times would we play, like, play fight as these characters, you know, just, I mean, kicking the air and just roundhousing pillows and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it was on at every sleepover. It was on at every, like, birthday party. Uh, when we played on the playground, all right, there's, there's a couple classic lines from the movie where these three brothers, one, what happens is they go training with their grandfather. Their grandfather knows some Steven Seagal knockoff bad guy. And this bad guy... Some Bobo-ass Steven yeah, Seagal. This guy apparently wants to open up karate dojos that are also going to train like ninja terrorists. And so he's an arms dealer as well. So I don't, I don't really understand what his motivation was. Yeah, he, but he certainly had a niche market. Whatever it was. Right. <laughs> ninja dojo... Arms. Franchise slash arms dealer slash mercenaries, mercenaries for, hire. for hire. I don't know. I, I don't know. know. I don't know what it. I don't know off. what it fits on his business card. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, if Michael said whatever dude business venture this guy is in, it's an incredibly niche market. It made me laugh a lot. Um, but yeah, and so he ultimately hires these three guys, and I'm going to refer to these guys, Michael, with the utmost respect. You've heard me talk about on this podcast. Uh-huh. One of my favorite things in movies is if you give me either a duo or a set of goons. Yeah, just bumbling henchmen. Just bumbling henchmen, cannon fodder for the good guys. <laughs> it's why I like Marvin Albert in um, uh, Home Alone. Yeah. They play, you know, Joe Pesci and what's the other guy? Um, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. I almost said Curtis, but I know that wasn't right. Um, yeah, Daniel Stern played wonderful goons. Mm-hmm. That can just seem to just take a licking and keep on ticking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael, this Steven Seagal knockoff in Three Ninjas <laughs> hires... This maybe, I think, is where my affinity for goons comes in. Because you've heard me mention it about... This is the dirty origin story. This is like my my affinity for the two guys in... Or the two sets of goons in Pirates of the Caribbean. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It stems from this movie, Michael. Oh, sure. Even like there's a little bit of Bill and Ted in these guys, but this Steven Seagal <laughs> knockoff hires three guys to ultimately kidnap these kids. Their names are Fester, Hammer, and Marcus. Fester, Hammer, and Marcus. And I'm going to make a new wall. And it is... The Goon Wall of Fame. The Legion of Goon. (laughs) All right? And these are the first ever inductees into the Legion of Goon. All right? These guys are awesome. They bumble about. They're like surfer Bill and Ted wannabe. Like, bro, gnarly waves out there, isn't it? The most excellent... Yeah, prototypical surfer, stoner, you know, beach bum, you know, bumbling half, you know, half wits. Oh, man. it They're awesome. And so the movie pivots from them, whatever. There's some, I don't understand how the dad is an FBI agent too. It doesn't really matter. These kids need the to kid's get kidnapped. The kid's dad is the FBI agent that's chasing after the arms dealer dojo franchise, Steven Seagal Bobo. Yeah. And so he needs to kidnap. He hires, he hires the goons in order to kidnap the kids to leverage the dad to get off his back. There's the plot. Yeah, there you go. And so these goons get hired, and at this point in the movie pivots from the grandpa training the kids to be ninjas into Home Alone. And Michael, yeah. this movie was so impactful. I actually paused the movie while we were watching it because you don't realize how impressionable you are as a kid. My whole life I've been told that you know ninjas are awesome. I right. got the Ninja Turtles. They say radical and awesome things, all right? You see Home Alone and things like that. Michael, this movie was so impactful that I actually hoped that there was an attempting kid, attempted kidnapping <laughs> on my and our, our my brother's lives at one point. Because I truly thought that with the knowledge I had from watching Home Alone and Three Ninjas, that I would be incredibly prepared <laughs> to be kidnapped and sold into child slave labor somewhere. You know, that I was going to prevent that single-handedly. That's how impactful this movie was. That would, we not, tr- would not put a sack full of broken glass in my race cars. I will defend this house. In a jar of marbles. Jar of marbles. Yeah. <laughs> I was disappointed when we didn't get kidnapped, Michael. With my Rube Goldberg home, <laughs> home protection devices. <laughs> Michael, I truly thought that we were going to be well prepared for it. And I was actually... The idea that it's it's really funny when you think about it, though, that we were disappointed we didn't get attempted kidnapping, you know? This is the equivalent of, like, cleaning your AR-15 being like, ah, sure hope nobody breaks in tonight. Right, right. We as kids were like... (laughs) Sure hope nobody steps foot on my property. My dad would be like, I'm going to go out and do this. And we're like, ah, it's cool. And we were like, we know secretly we're going to be just fine. (laughs) We've been training our whole lives by watching these instruction videos. That's right. And Home Alone and Three Ninjas. That's right. So here, you go tie the doors together. I'm going to go put oil on the kitchen <laughs> sink, on the kitchen floor. <laughs> oh, man. But no, these three guys, Marcus, Hester, and... Fester and Hammer. Fester and Hammer. See, I'm, yeah. These guys are in the Hall of Fame. They say little things in there that are just... I've repeated my whole life. They're following them in a, the, the three ninjas in a van. And they're right, not, right. They're not they're, paying attention to the road, and they're like, slow down, slowing. Right. Slow down, slowing. Slow down. Slowing. <laughs> they they're, break into the house. And they rear in the cop car. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids ride by on the bikes. go, somebody got a ticket. They go, shut up. And then looks at the cops like, no, 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 no not, not you. The kids. Kids. They break into the house and they say one of the most iconic lines I've ever heard. <laughs> and he goes, we don't want to hurt you. <laughs> We just want to kidnap you. Right. <laughs> Which is awesome. First we feast, 
then we felony. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. These guys are definitely oh, the so Legion fun. of Goom. The first ever inductees. And they're really good at what they do as well. Like, throughout the whole sequence of the home invasion, like the, the Kevin McAllister of it all, they're doing really good physical comedy. I mean, it's very slapsticky, but they're doing the, doing the effort. I mean, they're taking the bumps, you know. It, powder in the eyes and and doing the whole three stooges fighting each other in the dark thing and and when they're you know slipping on on the greased floors and stuff like that i mean they're they're going full you know legs up you know yeah the one dude really he you can tell he lands on his hip really hard whoever even the stunt guy is that did it he, he goes up and bah it's like ooh yeah there's no mat there there's no nothing that's a hardwood floor like that would that's why stunt People don't get enough recognition. But yeah, it's like a throwaway shot. And that dude ate some shit for real. <laughs> like his leg was higher than his hip when he like. Yeah, he, did, did we get the shot? No. No. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Fuck. So, anyways, no. Those Back guys, to Mark One. No. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, those guys were awesome. I forgot how much I appreciated those three characters in this movie, and I think that is truly the origin story of my affiliate, my uh, affinity for um, good goon work. Yeah. It's just it, I also just like the word goon in itself. <laughs> it's fun to say. It gives me an opportunity to to say something that I like to say. And uh, I just want to say thank you for helping mold my childhood to those three actors. So truly, truly appreciate it. And the level of disappointment that I did not get from being kidnapped <laughs> came from your wonderful performance in this movie. Well, I'm glad you were prepared to get kidnapped because I was not. I would have cried. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I probably I would, would have been useless. I probably would have changed my tune when it actually happened. Right. Yeah, the second they start pulling out guns, you're like, oh shit, I did not uh, account for this. I'm like, yeah, and they're like, no. <laughs> they just shoot you in the kneecaps. <laughs> get in the van. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I'm soft. Don't get it. Yeah. They start mailing off pieces of your toe back yeah. to the family. Like, yeah, look for the three ninjas. <laughs> How did they avoid this? Well, um, they really didn't cover this in Home Alone too, did no, they? they didn't. No, they didn't. So, anyways, um, what else can we talk about on this movie? Because I, I could gush just... I've, I'm going to be a thousand... I fucking enjoyed every second of watching this movie. At one point, we were doing a little too... Like, you get in a good mood. We're watching it. It's late at night. And we kind of got a little too, like, Mystery Science Theater 3000 or whatever. A little or, bit. A little too riff tracks. And I had to pump the brakes. I go, Michael, I feel like we're ripping on this movie <laughs> too hard. And it truly is a fucking to, masterpiece. But to be fair, there's a lot of stuff to riff on. I mean, like... But it comes together, the, the, though. The, the ninja outfits, man. Like, come on. They look like they were bought at a spirit Halloween. Yeah, they were. They utilized <laughs> they, them perfectly. They're all wearing... All the ninjas have plastic, like, eye protective goggles. And every time they do a close-up on the ninja's face, you can just see, like... The hot breath is steaming up their ninja goggles. <laughs> they can't see they shit. They can't see shit. Every time they swing their swords, you can see that like it looks like a pool noodle. Yeah, it does. The swords have no stiffness to them. They, I mean, they're very clearly like not just rubber, but like soft, cheap rubber. Yeah. Like, oh, we, oh, we're working with like eight and ten year olds. We got to do like real pad the swords kind of thing. Once the grandpa and uh, the Steven Seagal knockoff started getting after it, they they tightened up the sword play a little bit, but. There was actually, man, by the end of the movie, there was some decent, like, like we were talking about earlier, like continual shots of action that the kids did sure. and everything. And so. the good, the good thing is, is it is the kids doing the the actual work, not some of the gymnastic stuff, but like the actual fighting and kicking and punching and you know high eyeing and all that. It's really these kids, and to their credit, 
they make it look good. You know, it's it's very comical. I hate that they they run the same little do 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 like they run that little soundtrack on behind everything. The score is incredible, Michael. I mean, sure, nah, if you want to hear a knockoff Ocarina of Time, like, so, on a loop. You say it like it's a bad thing. <laughs> I explore. Every time I go to a grocery store and I'm willing to explore, I do, 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 All right, we don't have rights for that. Yeah, we don't. That's why I threw in a root. See, I can vanilla ice. That's right. It makes ours different from there. It's a little tick. That's right. Legally distinct. Legally distinct, right. The fact that he did that interview after knowing he ripped off uh, Queen. Uh, Queen and, and uh, David Bowie it was like that little tick that makes a difference. Like you know, you lying your ass off. <laughs> the right balls now. on him. Yeah. Anyway, sit there with his fucking shaved three-stroke eyebrows. Like, fuck out of here, bro. Um, but dude, I, we got a little too heavy into ripping the movie apart. And I'm be honest, man, I enjoyed every second of it. The action cranked up at the end when the uh, granddad and Steven Seagal knock off, go at it, uh-huh. and they start folding each other up and flipping. <laughs> I right. was all about that shit, man. Mike was like, man, the stunt guy's like three feet taller. I'm like, I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. No, no. They weren't discriminating. They were folding each other up, putting each other in arm bars, flipping out of it. Oh, young and burns, nunchucks. Nunchucks, bolos, all that shit, man. <laughs> His grandpa infiltrated an entire, uh, apparently, secret like cargo, cargo ship, ship yeah. yeah which i do find it funny earlier you were talking about the glasses i would find it very funny if that was like they had an actual osha inspector come <laughs> like, well, i see you got all your arms hung up on the wall that's uh you're, you're supposed to have those with locks on them but i gotta write you up for the your, your ninjas aren't wearing goggles that's it's, right are those draw, safety rated are those safety rated goggles because uh oh prescription oh okay they don't look it they don't look it <laughs> Uh, you got your guns locked away. You got. To, I see your training ropes That's dangling right. from the ceiling. Uh, you do have the necessary padding underneath. <laughs> but those goggles, you got to get Ninja OSHA. Yeah, with his, with his little villainous clipboard, yep. just running through. Exactly. Yeah, for the henchmen, like they got to have standards, Michael. That's right. He's like, after that, I'm gonna go to Star Wars, and I gotta make sure they got <laughs> they got that railing set in right they, where the <laughs> they never set that railing on that bridge. On I don't know bridge why. Where they fire they, <laughs> they fire from the Death Star. I gotta go write them a warning for that after this. Uh, that's an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's a character in a movie we should write. Them, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, that would be funny though. But no, I dug every second of this movie, man. I can't, I don't want to rip it apart too much, man. It brought me back to a happy place. And within three seconds, there's a, an opening sequence. They have a daring getaway where they storm Kmart, Steven Seagal's uh, headquarters. Oh, yeah. In the opening sequence. And what we see, Michael, is it took me, what, two seconds to call it out? Oh, yeah. And our very special underrated performance of the week. Who did I call out very quickly, Michael? One. Clifton, Pinky Powell. That is right. Pinky was in it, and it took his first shot, which he was only on for two seconds. And I paused the movie. I was like, yo, was that Pinky? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, rewind, rewind, rewind. That was Pinky. I got it right so quickly. I was so proud of myself. Here's here's a little bonus. Do you know what the name of his character was in that movie? Uh, No. Agent Jerry Curl. you got to be kidding me. I shit you not. Curl with a K. I did Agent hear him Jerry call him Curl. Curl. I heard him call him Curl, but oh, that's hilarious. Yep. That is 
awesome. <laughs> I thought you would enjoy that little oh, nugget. Oh, that's bro. I hope you're not lying to me right no, no, now. No, no, no. Have me look like an idiot. No, it's on IMDb. So I, I bit it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. So, dude, that's awesome. But no, a very special, underrated performance of the week. We've got to give Clifton Powell his flowers. That's He's right. the man that looks Jamie Foxx in the face as Ray <laughs> and called him a cold bastard. He, he agreed with Regina King's earlier sentiment and called Ray Cole. He's You're the man that said he would blow Ice Cube's head smooth off. That's right. He's the one that wished us all a Merry Christmas. He's been doing it for a long time, man. Uh, he also plays a role in the boondocks, which I can't repeat a lot of the things that he says. But he plays a prisoner in there. So we got to give Clifton Powell his flowers, man. In a very underrated performance of the week, we give it to Clifton Powell as Agent Jerry Curl in Three Ninjas <laughs> of all the roles, baby. I was so happy to see him. <laughs> you did call it out pretty quick. Like I didn't even notice. You were like, "That's that's Pinky." I was like, "How can you tell?" I was like, "Look, it's the only black guy that they show in this entire scene. It's Pinky. It's Pinky. Yeah, he stood out, man. I was on high Pinky alert. <laughs> you can't just slip a Pinky cameo by me, dog. You, can't, you just can't slip a Pinky by me. That's right." <laughs> So, yeah, no, I, this movie brought me back to all my childhood feels, though, man. I was so happy to watch this, and I was just like, I get it. It it all made sense again. I was in a happy place of watching these three kids get kidnapped. I mean, it's it's a goofy movie. It's, it's, the stunt work is, is pretty good for what it is. I mean, it's, it's definitely a kid's movie, but it's not bad, you know? Personally, I think it holds up. Michael was like, no, no, no. I, I think it holds up, though, man. I just I think it's a lot more apparent now, like especially looking at it through a critical lens, that you can tell where they skimped on the money. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not an expensive movie to make, but I don't know, man. It, it works for some reason. As a, as a kid, that movie was like the highest of highs, man. <laughs> like, How many people, anytime anybody, there's so many iconic lines like we mentioned, the, we don't want to hurt you, we right. just want to kidnap you. When we would play this on the playground, any game, whether you pretend, let's pretend to be Power Rangers, let's pretend to be James Bond, you pick whatever the hell it is you wanted to play. If there was a scene, or at least in, in my circle of friends at Sealy Elementary is a school for me, whenever we would all pretend, however many of us were together, that we were surrounded by bad guys and we would all go off and pretend right. to fight them, we without fail, one of us would say a line from this movie, and it's, we should run, we should hide. We, we should, should kick, kick their, their butts. butts. Yep. That was repeated ad nauseum in my childhood. <laughs> and the other thing that was repeated is another line from this movie. Anytime one of my friends had a crush on a girl. Oh, yeah. Or a girl had a crush on you. It was, there's a line where they're making fun of the eldest brother for uh, speaking of this girl, Emily. And they just start going, Rocky loves Emily. Rocky loves Emily. And children all over this great nation were tormented by those words for decades growing up. So <laughs> yeah, it yeah. stood the test of time. Anytime, it, it was just such a ready go-to anytime you would be, you know, one of your friends would like, I mean, she's kind of cool. I kind of like her. It'd be like, you just insert their name into whatever. Yeah. And it went on way too long. So shout out to anybody that ever felt the effects of those words. Um so I thought this was a safe place where I could uh, no, admit no. my feelings, but apparently we're just going to give each other shit. Okay, thanks. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't got much else to say. This movie was super special to me, and I'm glad that we saved it to talk about on the anniversary episode. Oh, it was fun. Man, yeah. it was... It's definitely, 
I would highly recommend it. Watch it with a group of people. Watch it with, you know, friends. Like, watching by yourself, that's fine. But you're definitely not going to... The stuff that you find funny, I promise you, is not nearly as, as good as the things that you all will find funny. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. There was some certain comedy. Looking through it as... Because I've never seen it as an adult. Mm-hmm. I'm super glad that I got to relive this movie. I appreciate it more looking back at it as an adult and seeing it through this lens. Sure. I mean, like, why did I not, why did I miss this as a child? <laughs> right. Know? But right. it also did what I wanted it to do. This movie is super heavy in the nostalgia. Sure. So it brought it takes back, you right back. It took me right back to, like, also me remembering exactly why it is that I like this movie in the first place. Sure. Yeah. So I'm super glad that we re- revisited this for our anniversary episode. And I will give it the highest rating possible. Uh, and that is a bag of new flavored jelly beans. <laughs> Let's see. I am going to give this uh, one doll with light up eyes. Light him up, boys. <laughs> Who was the wrestler that was in it? Are we going to give he, him a shout out. Oh, his name was, uh, the, the character's name is Rushmore. He's played by a wrestler named Professor Tanaka. And he's his claim to fame was he tag team with Mr. Fuji back in the day. Oh, dope. Yeah. Oh. Why did he get out of the gig? Just grew out of it, grew too old? Or? Uh, I mean, he was big back in the, I want to say, 50s and 60s as a wrestler. So, I mean, yeah, we're talking like old school, old school. So. Really? In the, in the 60s he was? Mm-hmm. That movie came out in like, when did Three Ninjas come out? 92? 92, yeah. Really? How old was he in that? God, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, he was, I mean, I know he was in the military for a while. Damn, he, he was, looked good yeah. then. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Well, yeah. some people are ageless, man. Yeah. That's what it is. But, I mean, he's also Asian, so he could be 60, he could be 40. I don't know. Yeah. There is some truth to that. There is some truth to that. Um, but, yeah, no, big shout out to him, too. Still doing still doing his thing at that age. Yeah. Playing the big brooding bad guy. That's right. Yeah, he plays the uh, the the mini boss, as it were. The Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to The final him. stage, the, the gatekeeper boss. Yeah, man. So, um yeah, I'm just glad they ramped up the action after they beat him. Grandpa and, and Steven Seagal go at it. They, they, <laughs> as they go on, they start to do longer shots of action. I was, I was all about this movie, man. So I appreciated certain things. So, yeah. um, again, highest rating I can give it, man. And if you've ever been a fan of this movie and you haven't seen it in a long time, if you're my age, I know you saw this movie, go back and watch it. You, do yourself a favor. I think you'll appreciate it. Uh, even if you do it to laugh at it, you'll still appreciate it. So, um yeah, I think that about sums it up for me as well. That wraps it up then. Well, on that note, my brother, um, that's all I got for this episode of What You've Been Watching. We appreciate y'all listening truly once again. Yeah, man. Thank thank you all very much. Three years strong. If we'd have thought that it was going to get this far, I never would have started it. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully there'll be big things coming down the way. More merchandise, more interactions. Uh, write us in, seriously, whenever you can at whatcha'beenwatchingpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. MD3 signing out. And Marvelous Mike D. See y'all later. Now go watch a movie. And talk about it with somebody that you love.